And one of the things that I learned was the first thing when betrayal comes is take time and unpack that bag of betrayal. Hello there. Welcome back to the Fiercely Influencing Podcast. It has been such, such a long time and we're back finally. And if you're new here, my name is Karen Dumia and I bring you exciting, exciting episodes with the really, really amazing guests. And we talk all things personal development in this podcast. And you know, when I was preparing for this episode, I asked myself, mm, what would be the best episode to begin with, um, you know, to begin the season with? Because, uh, you know, it's been a long while and now we're starting season two. And I thought to myself, hmm, let me think about it. And I began to prepare for the season. And when I was looking at the production schedule, I realized by the time we'll be releasing the first episode, it's going to be a day after my birthday. And I started thinking retrospectively, okay, what have I been learning? It's a personal development podcast means... I also cannot uh, not be growing, you know? I have to be growing as well. And say, so I said, okay, let me share with my people what it is that I've been learning, uh, what it is that I've learned. And I'll have 10 points, but today I'm gonna share with you five of them. And I really, really believe that, um, you know, we, we live, we learn and we grow. And I hope to also learn from you what you've been able to learn, yeah? Uh, or how you've been able to grow yourself. Now, one of the things that I've learned about life through life's experiences is that life is made up of seasons. Um, I've learned that some seasons you'll, you know, you'll experience, you know, success. Other seasons you'll experience failure. In some seasons you'll have to be hopeful. Other seasons, there's just full of joy. There are seasons that, you know, you'll be prosperous you know, you'll be prospering with a lot of things that you're doing. Other seasons, things are not even working out. You know, you're trying everything and it's not really, really working out. Um, it's very, very different. There are seasons where you have to let go. Other seasons, you're embracing new beginnings. It's a lot of things. And I learned that through all these seasons of life, I learned to tell myself, Karen, breathe and live in the present. Live now. Stop trying to... Uh, wonder what will be of it so you're here enjoying and embracing a new beginning and you're wondering okay how long will it take until it's over and you're thinking hmm you're starting to dwell in the future you're already creating things that will not happen or you're anticipating for them to happen and they may never happen and i think um it is important when you live now, and I'm not saying don't plan because again there are seasons where you sit and you have to plan which is preparation and while you're there, you want to need to you 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 want to know you want to know what is it that I need to get out of this particular season and living now, not trying to live in the past, not trying to live in the future, is living now and knowing what this season means for you, and how to go about it. The seasons where you're being celebrated, other seasons you have to celebrate others. So being in cog in you know being in constant. Um, uh, trying to realize, you're constantly trying to, to realize where am I, where am I at? And understanding it's a season and what to do with it has really helped me to not take failure as a permanent thing or to take times when I'm not being celebrated as that's going to be, you know, what will be known of me the entire life. No, it's learning what it what it is at that moment and taking it in and, and, and trying to understand what it is that you need to learn. There are seasons where people will be learning from you and other seasons require you to learn from others. So 
understanding, understanding that. And you know what that will help you? It helps you to not be jealous because you understand, well, this is not my time. My time is coming though, but this is not my time. You'll not be jealous, you'll not be envious, you'll not be comparing yourself to other people because you'll have an understanding of what it is or where it is you're at. And that has really helped me navigate life where I don't actually feel the need to compare myself. I really don't feel the need to feel jealous about my friends. I celebrate them because I know if I'm celebrating them now, a time is coming, I will also be celebrated, right? The other thing that I've learned is the parent-child dynamic in adulthood changes, okay? Now, I like to... I like to compare when I when I think about this particular lesson that I've learned is when I think about a parent, I think of an adult that is at, you know, responsible for your well-being, that is responsible to give you care. It could be an adoptive parent, could be a biological parent, it could be a step parent, whoever they are. And what I understand is that um, these are the people we look up to when we grow. It could be both of them or one of them. And some of these people will look at them as superheroes, right? And we, we see them as people who, they never get depleted. They give us constant protection, constant care, constant assurance. When you're in crisis, they're the very people who, you know, come through for you. That's how we see our parents as. And for me, one of my superheroes in life is my dad, okay? There's an incident that happened and it really changed the dynamic between me and my dad or the way I used to view my dad. This incident happened and it changed me, it shook me and it shifted completely the dynamic in a seismic way. Anybody who knows me very well, they know my dad is that person who comes through for me. I could be in the crisis of crisis and I'll call him, whether he has it figured out or not, we will, we will have, we'll come up with something, a solution will you know, will come out of it. And so anytime I would be in a crisis or I would get an inconvenience, I would call him and tell him, hey, dad, you know, and tell him and he said, okay, okay, let me see what I can do, you know? And that used to, even if he's not given me the solution at that moment, just by him telling me that, I, I knew that man, he will come back to me with a solution. And let me tell you, um, just before COVID, this incident happened and my dad had a fatal head injury. It was so life-threatening that he had to be in ICU for about almost close to a week. Okay, I've already painted the superhero picture that I have of my dad. Growing up, you know, that's all I've known about dad. Now, fast forward to this incident where he's motionless. He can't do something as natural as breathing for himself. So I'm just watching him. He has ventilators on him. He has all manner of things that are put on ICU. And I was just there thinking, the way I'm feeling right now, the person who I used to like calling was him. And right now I was just looking at his number and I know he cannot even pick it, you know? And through that whole process and even going into recovery, I remember just thinking, you mean there's a time that my dad can be incapacitated and he would need me. All those things he's always been um, for me he now needs me to be for him. And that's what I talk about now, the parent-child dynamic changes in adulthood. So you'd find even things like, um, even learning how to walk. We had to get a caregiver to escort him to the bathroom, you know, be with him, watch over him through the night. 
because it was a very severe, severe head injury and, you know, it, it was so bad. And so the recovery was as well very rigorous. And when he had, we had to come back home, just even things like feeding him, I never, ever in my life thought Atia would be helping my dad feed. <laughs> that thing completely shifted the dynamic I had with my dad. And right now, when I look at him, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I begin to be, how do I say this? I am actively trying to be aware of his well-being than I was previously. Previously, it used to be, of course, it is in my best interest for my, my dad to be okay. But right now, I have to be a contributor to his well-being and be actively contributing to his well-being. And for anybody else who could be listening, for you, it could be your mom, your grandma, or your auntie, or whoever that significant or superhero for you it is, that moment breaks you. It really, it really breaks your core. And you, 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 you have to relearn another dynamic that wasn't there. And for me, it wasn't a gradual change. It was instant. And now having to take, you know, to take note of that. Um, and obviously that really, you know, it really, really shifted a lot of things. Just seeing him helpless. Oh my goodness, that really messed me up. And because it was something that I was not, the dynamic I had not had before, I really had to learn. I had to learn that dynamic. It was not something that was taught to me at a, you know, one day um, when you're still trying to figure out things in life, this, you, you, you'll see your parents helpless. Oh my goodness. It was something that I didn't know. But again, through life's experiences, you get to learn. And right now I would say I'm, I'm at a good place. I can handle things, you know, I can handle things uh, with, what do I say? Stability, right? It will not throw me off balance like it did at that time. Man, it really, it really shocked me. It was very traumatic for me. Just, you know, it's a whole different picture of your hero. And now they are helpless. And, you know, it's, 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 it, it really, it really broke me. But I would say right now where I'm sitting and speaking right now, I'd say I'm better now at it. I'm at a place where I'm more aware. I'm like, you know what? I don't have to pressure my dad on this. I don't have to pressure my mom on this. I don't have to pressure anybody on this. I'm now being more aware uh, of their needs, their well-being. And I really, that really was a growth moment for me. Yeah. The other thing that uh, I was able to, you know, learn is, <laughs> this is interesting, was the, was how to navigate betrayal. Listen, I don't think anywhere in school we've ever been told, you know, your best friend can betray you or your dear cousin or anybody in your family could betray you. And because we were not told, we were also never prepared how to go through it. So I've gone through a series of betrayal with a couple of people. But then when the first one happened, I, it really took me aback, you know? And it's like going through the, it's like going through loss because you've lost a friend. And not understanding how betrayal works and what it is really made me question a lot of things about myself, my decisions, and a lot of that. However, after going through a couple of them, I would say, you know, I know a thing or two about going, going, going through or navigating betrayal. And one of the things that I learned was the first thing when betrayal comes is take time and unpack that bag of betrayal unpack it. Literally, it's like a bag. 
<laughs> you know, a heavy, heavy bag, bring it, put it there and start unpacking. And while you're unpacking, you know, you're unpacking, you start to reflect and you start to see where it all started. One thing that I know is common about betrayal is that there's always dishonesty. Before it manifests as betrayal, it started off as elements of dishonesty. Someone was dishonest about a situation. Someone was dishonest about um, themselves. Someone was dishonest about your relationship. There was some element of dishonesty along the way. And eventually it begins to manifest in full betrayal. And that's the time you actually get to understand, hmm. So when you begin to unpack, you begin to see, hmm, why did I even allow this to happen? I had seen this happening. Someone had told me. And you begin to unpack and reflect, unpack and reflect, unpack and reflect. And that helps you because you're able to isolate things and you're able to look at things objectively, not with emotions and rage and all that. That is after you've gone through <laughs> all of that. When you begin to unpack it, you're able to understand even why you or me as Karen, what is it that made me still have this person around even after I noticed this, these few things. And the next thing I learned to do was forgiving myself. Once I've, I've been able to unpack and reflect, I'm able to walk my, my, through myself through forgiveness. I stopped blaming myself. I stopped saying, why did you listen to your gut? You knew something had told you. Your parents had warned you. Some friends had told you about this person and you still went on. You know, people had warned you that this person is dishonest and maybe you are dealing with someone in business and they swindled you your money. And you know, you start saying, and I had a feeling. And you know, it's very easy to keep blaming yourself and blaming yourself, but you can blame yourself all you want. But the damage has been done. Majiyasha mwagika, you know, you can never scoop them back into the container. So the best thing to do is forgive yourself. Why this is important is that it allows you to now forgive the other person. If you have not forgiven yourself, trust me, you will never forgive the other person. Forgiveness is in, out. I can never forgive you for something you did wrong for me if I cannot find a way to forgive myself for allowing you to do it to me or dealing with that emotion of blaming myself. Once I've been able to forgive myself, then I realized I was very easy. Like I, I would very easily just forgive that person. They didn't even say sorry, but I was just like, ah, I forgive them. You know, I was able to say, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. I've, I've understood why that happened. It will not happen again. And it's okay. It's okay. You know, and you feel okay. And forgiving yourself, it's also understanding that, you may be, you know, a really good friend to someone, a really good partner to your boyfriend or girlfriend, a really good business partner. But if you do not, you know, if you don't um, understand that people's actions are not, they're not because of how you are. They're totally responsible for their, you know, their actions, and they are isolated from you as a person, then you're able to forgive yourself easily. Now, the other thing that I learned um, is, oh, and by the way, after you're done forgiving yourself, what I do is now release. I release all those bitter feelings, all the anger, all those things, what I know, what I don't know. I'm just like, it's okay. <laughs> I release and I make peace with the situation. By making peace with the situation means taking back your power. 
when you take back your power, you'll not be the slave of closure. You know those people who are like, oh, but I need closure, but I need them to tell me why they did it. No, I really, really need to know. But then by the time you've forgiven yourself, you've reflected and made peace with the situation, you take back the power and you understand. There's no amount of things this person will tell you that will convince you that that's why they did what they did. So you make peace. And after you make peace, you let it go. And when you let it go, you take back your power. And now you're able to make more rational decisions when involving people in your life, when bringing in business partners, when selecting friends, uh, when choosing uh, your girlfriend or your boyfriend, you know, you're able to make more rational decisions because you understand you can't bring, you, you've let it go. It's okay, you may share. That was that experience I've learned from it. It, it is not something now you'll be telling people, hey, and you know that friend of mine once did this, and you know this business partner, this is what they did, and then they did that, and then they did this, and you're constantly taking on <laughs> what everybody ever did to you, to, to new relationships, to new friendships, to new business ventures. Just stop, make peace, let it go, and take back your power. The other thing that I got to learn, and this is really, really beautiful, is... I had to redefine compatibility in my life, okay? I had to redefine what I knew compatibility was. Previously, or <laughs> previously on, <laughs> what Karen thought was compatibility. For me, it was not anything deep. Oh, do we enjoy the same music? Oh, nice. Do we enjoy hanging out? Eh? Do we click? Those are the only things, any vibes too, you know? Those are the only things that would qualify you being around my life. Like, I enjoy that. I enjoy their vibes. Ah, we enjoy the same music. We enjoy this, we enjoy that. Let me tell you, I, I realized that, that those things are not what compatibility is. And I'll tell you two things that I believe form compatibility. There could be more, and there are more, but today allow me to share two. One of them is values. Once I know your values and my values check in, you know, they click, they get along, then I will know. Um, I wouldn't have to be worried about you as a person because I already know what your values are. I wouldn't have to be worried that you keep lying, that you will keep lying to me because I already know for you, you're an honest person. And this brings me to something. I got to learn there are two things that, you know, are important, transparency and honesty. And these two things may look like they're the same, but they are really kind of not, but almost are. <laughs> you know what I mean? And this one was, um, th this one is honest. Okay, so I said honesty and, trans and transparency. So honesty is when, if I ask you something, you tell me the truth, right? Transparency is when I don't even have to ask. You've already told me. Those are two important values. It doesn't matter whether I'm in business, whether I'm in marriage, whether I'm in uh, friendship, whatever it is I am at those, I'm at, those two things are very, very important. Where someone is being transparent with you, this is where you don't even have to ask, they'll tell you, you know? And when someone is being honest with you where you've asked and they actually tell you the truth. The other thing is, and I'm not saying those are the only values, I've just highlighted, because this is another episode on its own. The other thing that is important is character. And obviously character is shaped by someone's values. So if you, I want to know your character, I'll just have to know what your values are. What is it that you value? Do you value swindling people, taking what is not, uh, um, taking what you know you've not worked for, or taking what is not yours? Um, do you do? You, are you a greedy person? Those things inform me about your character. And now, when I know what your character is like, 
then I'm able to know, okay, then we're compatible or not. These things of enjoying the same music, Siju enjoying hanging out, Siju we enjoy reading, we enjoy Siju the same movies. And they don't sustain the friendship, they don't sustain the business, they don't sustain the relationship. Those are just things that are there for the moment. But then, you know what comes to put that friendship, the business um, relationship or an actual, um, like a romantic relationship? The litmus test is when, you know, the character of that person is being tested, their loyalty, their values are being put into test within that, you know, within that uh, scope of your relationship. That is when you get to know for sure. A hobby is going to be the ones that count. Yeah? Is the listening to similar, you know, music or having uh, <laughs> the same taste in music, is it the one that is going to prove whether that uh, friendship, business, whatever that is, is it what it's going to prove the test of time for that, for, for that relationship? You understand what is so constant is somebody's character and, and somebody's values. If those things, by the way, you don't look at them, you analyze them like this, you see, then let me tell you, let me just be honest with you. You really don't have friends. You really don't have a business partner. You really don't have a relationship. If those two things have not been tested, let me tell you, Start interrogating. <laughs> Start interrogating before life's experiences put you through that situation. Um, the final thing that I want to share that for me was a key key lesson while, you know, growing is my relationship with God and how it cannot be outsourced. Let me explain. When we were young, we noticed that you would notice we used to have maybe the grandmother was the one praying for us, our auntie, our mom, our dad, somebody, the uncle, somebody was the one who was always the one praying for the family, the one who was holding the, <laughs> uh, the God factor in the family. But then when you grow up, you realize you, you might not always have that person, be that person for you. It gets to a time where you now uh, put up your big girl or big boy uh, pants on and start... Uh, ex uh, experiencing that relationship with God for yourself. You know, there are certain times you can experience certain things. Like, let's, for example, like I was just sharing with you guys about when my dad had that really terrible incident. I could not reach him because he was my superhero. The next person to fall onto was my, <laughs> was my God, okay? Because nothing, nobody could say anything that could make me feel better. Nothing, nothing would reassure me in a way that... I would feel more confident, even more than what my dad would ever reassure me of. I remember um, for the longest time I've, you know, I've had issues with anxiety, like the smallest stuff would really sort of, I would overthink through the smallest stuff. And when I overthink, like I, you know, when you overthink, of course, you, you start being anxious about a situation. Um, that's, Thing of overthinking and anxiety skyrocketed at the beginning of this year. And it has been there through and through, but I've always found a way to manage it. But let me tell you, like I said, there are times life experiences hit you. You know how something can hit you, but you don't even know from what direction. Just you've been hit. And I remember me who was overthinking the smallest stuff. Now this is a legit thing to make you, you know, really think about it. Now you can imagine when <laughs> you already overthink, you sweat the small stuff. Now when real stuff come, I don't even know if there's a word for beyond overthinking, like over, overthink. I don't even know. That's where I was. 
And so obviously the anxiety was mad. And you know, overthinking and anxiety is like, uh, you know, uh, buy one, get one free. <laughs> so I remember I was in such a place where if I was not being anxious, I was being anxious. Like, I'm not being anxious, why am I not being anxious? And then I start being anxious, you know what I mean? And it was a really, 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 really terrible place. And I got to a place I was on the edge. I was on the edge, I felt like I was losing my mind. I was functioning on anxiety. I remember just really feeling so helpless and hopeless. Because honestly, your parents cannot even come in at this point. They can't come through for you and say, okay, uh, you're feeling anxiety. Okay, here's some money. Stop, stop being anxious. You know what I mean? Like it's nothing anybody can give you. And the last, last resort for me was just to ask God to help me. It was really bad, really, really bad. And for me, when I'm in that space, I can barely eat. And if you're not eating, you know, it's bad. It's, it, it's, it, it now becomes a health issue. And I remember just telling God, I, I can't do this anymore. And I started being very intentional about making time with reading the word of God, uh, listening to the word of God, and also uh, praying to God. And when I started, I remember there's this word that I, I knew that I knew that was the word for me. You know, this Philippians chapter four, verse six, that talks about not being anxious. I had to stand on that word. Anytime I felt anxiety was coming in, I had to start saying that verse. It's like the way if I, let's say if I had gone to a therapist, they probably told me we recommend maybe start a physical exercise or take um, this meds and maybe to calm down your anxiety. For me, it was that verse. Let me tell you, I used to say that verse every single time, not at, a, at a once a day or every day. Every single time I could hear anxiety starting to come in, it's coming, it's coming. I started, I start telling myself, do not be anxious. And I would say that verse and I would say it and I would say it, you know, don't be worried about nothing, but pray about everything. I used to say that thing, even though I didn't really want Ati to ask myself, but what does it really mean? I'm like, see the word of God <laughs> works. Let me see it work for me. And let me tell you, there was a project we were doing. And that project should have given me the anxiety. Everybody's, you know, everybody's anxiety in the world should have been my anxiety at that point because it was a very, very tedious project. And, you know, in between looking for finances and trying to execute and trying to consolidate a team, it was tedious. And let me tell you, through it all, I was so calm. It was unlike me. In fact, I was... <laughs> I remember there's a time I called my sister and I told her, you know, it's funny, I'm not getting worried. <laughs> when I tell you, worrying was part of my, like, it's something I had to worry. Like, it's like, if I'm not worrying, I have to be worried. And I was so at peace. Things were falling apart, by the way, at some point. Things were not working. And you know, where you get to a point you want to be at a standstill, things were really, really not working. And I was not even desperate. I was not even moved an inch. I was so calm. And I remember I used to stand on that word. And it's not just that one instance. It's so many things that I remember. I started applying the word of God in my life. And for me, I started seeing the depth 
uh, of having a relationship with God and how he would reveal things. And you start designing different things and you start getting to understand why it is what is happening the way it's happening. And God has a way of speaking to us in a way that we understand. And I would have instances where I know God is speaking to me about a situation. And even if things were falling apart in my heart, in my heart, deep down in my heart, I knew things are not falling apart. In fact, this is what was supposed to happen. And I would be at peace. And those are things that your mother would never give you. Those are things your grandmother, even if she loves you, how? They would never give that to you. It's for you to take, you know, that step and be intentional and start creating that relationship with God and start speaking to him and reading his word and understanding how he communicates and telling him to speak to you and give you direction on so many things. And you get, and you know what that happens? It gives you clarity on what is for you and what is not for you. You won't be that sort of person who wants what everybody has. Oh, you know, they've gotten that business contract. Even me, I want, no. When you have a close relationship with God, then you're at peace and in knowing that one is not meant for me. I need to go for that one. And you begin to shut down men's opinions. And even a thing like something like, and I'll say this, something like imposter syndrome. Let me just say, <laughs> imposter syndrome is a lie from hell. Because who's, who said you're not capable? Who, who put the standard of capability? Who? You know, one day I sat and asked myself, the people I look at and I think, well, those are, those are capable people. Who, who, do you think they got the right from anybody that somebody told them, oh, you're capable, now go? No. You believe in yourself and you know your worth and you know you, you have every right to go for everything that you believe you deserve. And you begin to tell yourself those things. And for me, scripture, like I, I've just said, scripture for me was an anchor. It was telling me, you have the mind of Christ. And just knowing that what God has said about you really helps you to be even more confident about yourself and everything you do. And you know, because it really doesn't matter whose opinion, it doesn't matter at you, oh, this is where I come from, or nobody has ever done it, or people have done it, but they've not done it your way, you know, you have the confidence of doing it. And sometimes that manner of confidence may never even come from your parents, may never come from your siblings, no matter how much they love you. Some of these things is just having the confidence that God has said it for you. He said, I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. If he said, uh, I can do all things, trust, I can do all things. And for me, I remember that imposter syndrome thing is something that I think, I think I didn't even know what I would ever do. Um, to, to have it go away. Because I remember um, the producer that we were working with and she would tell me, but you know, it's funny because it's not like you're a shy person. What is this that's holding you back? But then you figure out, it's just the thoughts that you've told yourself, okay, I'm new here. I don't know how to say this. I don't know what I will say. Say it. Say it and, and just believe that the same way other people have been empowered to do it, you've also been empowered. Nobody... Nobody has it more than the other. God empowers us, even though differently, but we're all empowered. It's not that he decides, okay, you know, for you, the word of God will apply for you and it will not apply for you. No, if he said you can do all things, it's you and everybody else. And having that confidence has really helped me um, overcome imposter syndrome and just show up uh, in meetings, in some offices, you know, in some forums. And I have full-blown confidence that even I am just thinking, wow, damn girl. And let me just wind up by saying, when I understood that we've been made by the image of God, 
I, re I remember the day I got the aha moment was when I was listening to a teaching by Miles Monroe. And he was saying how, you know, if God created this world, the way it is so magnificent, you know, there are things even today, the scientists that have been, are not able to explain some of these things. Things like the universe, they're not able to tell where it starts, where it ends. But God knows, and he created that. If he has such mastery in his work, and he's created you in that image, you have it in you, okay? You have it in you to do whatever it is. You have no limitation. If God created this, and he gave you the same image is on you, then even you, it doesn't matter whether it's an exam or a project or anything or a business you want to start, okay? You have that image of God that if he created something from nothing, from nothing, nothing, literally nothing, and he made it to what it is today, that it's many, many, many thousands and thousands upon thousands and millions of years later, and we still marvel at it, then you also have the same in you. You also have it in you. And that gives me confidence now that I say, look, I may not have it all figured out, but I have the image of God. I am made of the image and his likeness. And which means if he moves in excellence, then I have that DNA. If nothing else, forget about your parents or the family you came from or your ancestors or in your village. Forget about all those. The, 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 the defining uh, thing for you is that you're made and you've been created in the image and the likeness of God. And it means whatever it is that is within him, you also have it. We just tend to limit ourselves or we are bullied around or we are told, hmm, you don't even have it. And you believe those people. Don't believe those people. Don't believe them. For me, the word of God has just been my reference. And um, I would say it's something that I would never want to live because I don't know if there's any other way you can live this life if God does not help you. Like you can work all you want, you can be as smart as you know as as you can be or you know acquire all the best skills and knowledge, but if you don't do it to the enablement of God or that divine enablement with his grace on you, man, it it it, it it's frustrating and it becomes really really hard. So those are the five things that I've been able to learn. I have five more things I'm going to share, but in a different episode. Um, but I would also like to know for you, what is it that you've been able to learn? What are those things that you've learned? Do we have things that we've learned, you know, do we have similar experiences with you or have we learned some things that are similar? I also want to hear that. Thank you so much for listening and being here. I really, really do not take that for granted. And for you to not miss future episodes when we release them do follow um, this podcast and subscribe and also review leave a review we'd like to know are we are we actually doing anything in your life right thank you so much <laughs>